we're all struggling with content. And obviously, we're all listening to this, to this podcast because we want to get the maximum out of all the investment we make in content. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, when it comes to search engines and blog, it's one thing. When it comes to email, it's another thing. But social media, the algorithms favor people over businesses. Welcome to the Content 10X Podcast, the show where content creators learn how to harness the power of content repurposing. And now, your host, Amy Woods. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Content 10X Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, and this week I have a fantastic guest on the podcast. So Neil Schaefer, and we are talking about influencer marketing. Now, this is a topic I've never covered on the podcast before, and I know we're going to have a really, really great conversation about the ins and outs of influencer marketing, and of course, how it can relate to your business and your content. Now, Neil is a recognized leader in helping businesses maximize social media. He's a global keynote speaker, university educator, social media agency owner, author, social media strategy consultant. He's worked with Grammy award-winning musicians and he has helped leading brands reach the next level of social media marketing. And now Neil is the author of four books on social media. And the most recent is called The Age of Influence. And it is about educating the market on why and how every business should leverage the potential of influence marketing. So this is a really exciting conversation for the podcast. Neil, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Amy. As I, as I mentioned before we got started, it's really, really an honor as an as a avid listener of this podcast. Um, it, it's really awesome to be here. Thank you. Oh, well, it's awesome to have you in. And huge congratulations on the new book, um, The Age of Influence. And I know, I mean, when did you publish that? It was early this year in March, right? Yeah, literally <laughs> uh, two weeks after Social Media Marketing World and two days before California went on complete lockdown. So it was, it was the perfect timing, wasn't it? How's that been? You know, how, how, has, how has it gone despite uh, the timing? <laughs> you know, it's funny because a lot of my friends and people in social media sort of, sort of felt sorry for me, right? And the decision to publish in March, I worked with HarperCollins. So they're this huge book publisher. And in the publishing world, as you know, books are planned like a, a year in advance. So the, the date had been set for several months. But what I realized was with the pandemic, it freed me from doing the traveling that I would normally do, that, that we do when we speak, what have you. And it really gave me a chance to double down, not just on, on relationships virtually, but also on content of getting more passionate about my own content, creating more blog content and leveraging the content to really help get the word out about the book. So I think because of that, and because more and more people are online with the pandemic, it's actually in a weird way worked to my favor. And there aren't that many books out because of the pandemic. So it also yeah. sort of sticks out there. People are thirsty for education. Um, we have more people worried about their, you know, their jobs, their career, or marketers that want to try to find out how do they navigate through this. And I think that influencer marketing is the way that I redefine it, which we'll talk about, is definitely one avenue. So, um, I, you know, I love the underdog. I love challenges. And I took it as another challenge. And uh, I, I can't say it's hurt me in all honesty in, in a weird way. No, no, exactly. I think you make lots of great points. And I think because it's on influencer marketing and it's really 
not you know something that a lot of people are talking about and have expertise in and especially to the audience you're talking to it really stands out as well as something that i think many people are wanting to learn more about and really intrigued about as well so i think a lot of people think of influencer marketing as something that big b2c brands partake in not necessarily for b2b so it can be a little bit misunderstood and i think um you know that there's it's funny isn't it the negative connotation that some people have with with the word influencer and and think of it being oh it's you know it's grammars and tiktokers and, and youtubers promoting um like brands and and i don't think the documentary with the fire festival and and how they used influencers <laughs> to sell the uh, the scam uh, luxury event you know kind of helped in the term influencer because i often find myself saying influencer and almost apologizing i'll say and we work with influencers oh well you know i mean more thought leaders you know i, I don't want you know and then i realized no it's silly you know but it's just a term that has i think been a bit misunderstood but i guess you know we're going to really dig into it but the 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 big opening question so what is influencer marketing <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's the $64 million question, yeah. isn't it? So I think that, and, and I'm like you, Amy, I, they were, I wrote this book because, you know, I do a lot of speaking and teaching and consulting, what have you. And two or three years ago, this came as a, a question a lot of companies and people were asking me about influencer marketing. And a lot of marketers were saying, how do I become an influencer? How do I become more influential? So there's a, there's a the flip side to it. And as I began doing more research and really uh, you know, interviewing people and companies and connecting the dots, I realized that the concept of digital influence has always been out there. And what's happened is you've had the growth of an influencer marketing industry that is very Instagram centric, that is very B2C centric. And now you have dozens of influencer marketing agencies, dozens of influencer marketing tools, because there's a lot of money that's been thrown, I mean, $2 billion on Instagram influencers alone last year, they predict, um, you know, a lot of money been thrown at them. That's created this industry that says the more followers you have, the more money you pay, the more money influencers get. And then it raises all these questions because, well, if people are just in it for the money, they can buy fake followers, they can buy fake engagement. And indeed, uh, influencer fraud risk is a big thing. But if we take a step back, Amy, you know, I remember the days when we talked about blogger outreach right? Where we would reach out to bloggers, a lot of mommy bloggers. Mm -hmm. And now instead of reaching out to mommy bloggers, we're reaching out to Instagrammers and now it's TikTokers and maybe it's YouTubers. So let's go back to mommy bloggers. Well, it's the same concept of digital influence. Instead of influence in an Instagram or a TikTok or YouTube, it's an influence with Google as a search engine. Then when we take a further step back, especially with the coronavirus pandemic, what are the things that we do when we're online? Because we're online all the time. It's either search, email, or social, right? And we need content for all of these, as, as you well know, Amy. Mm, yeah. So when we talk about the, the, the mommy blogger, or it could be a B2B blogger or a tech blogger, it is this digital influence in Google's eyes. And maybe if we get a backlink, then uh, we will have more influence in Google's eyes. And, and you know, as I began to connect more dots, I go back to my publisher when I asked HarperCollins, well, where should I be promoting the book? Should I reach out to the traditional media? They said, no, it's going to cost a lot of money. Um, you're probably not going to get the best results. Uh, we recommend that you reach out to bloggers and podcasters, right? Who are mm -hmm. the new influencers when 
media influence has been completely democratized. And when I began looking more at podcasting, Amy, I know you've been doing this for a while. I started my podcast back in 2013. I didn't really get more into it until Q4 last year. But when I, you know, I'm a member of a number of podcast communities on Facebook, and I look at the number of downloads that these podcasters get. And, you know, maybe it's 50, maybe it's 100 per episode, maybe it's 500 per episode, but a lot of small businesses would love to have 500 views of a new blog post every week they publish one and very few get it. So you begin to look at digital influence when you look at the different content mediums that exist. We have text, audio, video, photography. And when you look at the different social networks and then you look at the different ways in which we digitally consume content, you know, being search engine or email or social, you begin to paint a picture that digital influence has been around. And then I know that a lot of the listeners here are obviously B2B and, and are interested in you know, repurposing and maximizing the content. You begin to see that, huh, so all these virtual summits, they're all attracting influencers to speak. And yet a lot of the organizers are not influencers themselves. They're doing influencer marketing. They're, they're tapping into that. A lot of podcast interviewers who may not be well known in the industry, but by inviting other people that are more famous, they're building credibility, but they're also, hopefully those influencers are, are sharing their podcasts with that community. When you do a blog, when companies reach out to you, Amy, as an expert, and they say they want a quote from you, it is the same thing. They are doing influence marketing in hopes that somehow you're going to share your, you know, the, their content that, that you helped write with your audience. So at the heart of it, getting back to the original question, which I intend to, influencer marketing is really about, it's about collaborating with content creators who have a community. And a content creator, it, it could be on any social network, and you might think, well, everybody's a content creator, but really, how many people are there on the internet and how many people create podcasts? How many people are on the, on the internet? How many people post to LinkedIn on a daily basis or have their own YouTube channel? And when you look at it that way, there's a stat that I use in the book, which was actually created 20 years ago, which is the 99-1 rule that 90% of internet users are lurkers, 9% engagers, 1% content creators. And when you think of it that way, that 1% can be extremely invaluable on any given social network, any given content medium. And in the B2B world, where you collaborate with influencers is truly in content, in, in content creation, content collaboration, and what have you. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, it, you make such a good point. Social media um, and the digital world has really democratized authority and influence. And because we create and we consume content in, in different ways and that it's constantly evolving, um, the, the concept of an influencer, you, you know, that's not changed, you know, we, way back before, way back before, uh, digital influencers, influencers exist, didn't they? But now, because of how we consume content and the, just the, how we how the world is with social media and everything, the, the entire concept of an influencer is so so different. And it isn't necessarily the the big celebrities pre digital. You know, like if you know Elvis Presley was a, an influencer or that kind of thing. You don't have to be. It, it, there's a different platform, and, and influencers are able to come from so many different, I guess, backgrounds, like indie pod, indie influences, isn't it? You can kind of come from anywhere and become an influencer. But I guess in the world of working with, with businesses and, um, and, and be an influence marketing, so actually going from being a, a influencer to actually using that in a way 
with businesses how do you measure influence so how is how would you say that you know a business would measure the influence of somebody to work out whether there's a valid relationship that, that could be formed from from working with them and leveraging that influence well the way i would approach it amy is to say okay this is our business who are our target customers and what media are they consuming to help them what businesses do they follow? What people do they follow? And from there, we begin to paint a map of our industry. Who are, you know, what media outlets, what social media profiles seem to have greater pull. And the more niche the industry, probably the fewer those players are, especially in B2B. So I think over time, it becomes clear. And if, and if we've never done this, and we really have no clue, we do searches. If I wanted to find out more about processing chemical materials safely, I mean, whatever niche industry, we're gonna do a Google search, right? That this is what a prospective buyer would do. Uh, maybe they're on LinkedIn, they're gonna do a LinkedIn search. Maybe if they're on Twitter, they're gonna do a Twitter search. If they listen to podcasts, they're gonna do a podcast search. So if you put yourself in the shoes of your potential customer and do these same digital searches that they would do to try to uncover information, who, who is actually publishing content? Who are the content creators around this subject? And that's how everybody can find the true influencers in their industry. And once again, not everybody, you, you would think that anybody and everybody has a blog. When it gets to B2B, not everybody has a blog. And even if they do, they don't have equal influence. Who is showing up at the top of the search engine rankings, for instance, or who seems to have more engagement, a larger community on their Twitter profile or LinkedIn company page. And in this very, very you know, holistic way of looking at it, you begin to see you know, which people, which businesses you may want on your radar as entities to consider collaborating with in the future. And what was that? So what would be examples of what that collaboration would and could look like? So the misnomer with the way that the mass media and the blogosphere has painted influence to marketing and not, not the prettiest of ways is that it's always a one-time short-term transaction, right? And that is the case for some. But more and more, even in the B2B, B2C space, they're looking at longer term relationships. They're realizing that, you know, um, the ROI of collaborating with people comes in the long term when they become brand ambassadors and they talk about your brand without you even having to ask them to. So in the B2B space, especially with content, obviously the notion of, of paying someone to post something it does happen in B2B. Uh, I worked as an influencer with FedEx who offered me some money to publish content, promoting the fact that they have a small business award so that you know people in my network on LinkedIn might be able to win several thousand dollars uh, if they apply and, and they are chosen as a great small business. That is something for me that I thought was offering value to my community. And for a little bit of money to say I'm associated or affiliated with FedEx, who I'm a customer of, uh, I had no problem doing that, right? So that is one example. I don't think we see a lot of that in B2B, but it does exist. But I think more importantly, what we see in B2B is actual you know, use of product, use of tool, use of service will give you something complimentary. If you enjoy it, we'd, we'd love for you to talk about it. Um, but just to open a line of, of communication with that influencer, you know, just getting feedback on your product or service alone could be invaluable. And we might consider that a tremendous ROI of influencer marketing. Above and beyond that, we obviously have those content pieces. So how do we publish content? How do we include the influence in our content? How can we get exposed to the influencer's audience by having us 
on their content becomes sort of the next story. And then we have events which are almost, you know, of their own. Um, obviously with the coronavirus, we can't do these live events. If we could do live events in the B2C space, we see brands creating events just to give them an excuse to bring influencers together, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, obviously live events are powerful and now they're in the form of, you know, Hey Summit virtual summits or, or even webinars. Um, one of my clients is a B2B SaaS startup. And, you know, I started working with them when they had zero Twitter followers, they're up to a hundred, right? But they are engaging with companies that might be considered potential partners that have 700 followers, that have 2000 followers, and they're doing webinars together where they're asking these other companies to come speak on their webinar. And through that, they're building up their email list and they're building up, you know, a, a funnel of prospects by leveraging influencer marketing in the same way in a very, very niche B2B startup space. So mm -hmm. the, the concept, is, it, it really comes down to what are the objectives? Um, it also comes down to a collaboration, right? What, what is it, it, what's in it for them? What's in it for me? How would we like together? How would we like to work together? How could we work together? And often, like I said, with B2B marketing, it, it does come down to a content-centric conversation. Hey, just a little break from this podcast episode to ask you a question. Would you like one single place that you can go to that provides you with everything you need to be able to implement the best practices in content repurposing for your video content, your podcast episodes, and your social media content today? To help you get more value from the content that you create, get more time back and help you reach more people than you ever thought possible. If so, then you are going to love the Content 10X Toolkit. The toolkit is full of video tutorials, templates, checklists, swipe files, step-by-step -step guides and more that shows you how to repurpose your content in the best ways possible today. No more Googling, no more figuring it out yourself. We provide you with everything that you need to become a content repurposing pro. If this sounds like something that would interest you, then go check out the Content 10X Toolkit at content10x.com forward slash toolkit. Okay, I'm back to this week's episode. Yeah, and I was going to ask you a question around um, affiliate marketing too, which is, um, does, it, does it often, does influencer marketing sometimes come a little bit hand in hand with affiliate type marketing with some of the influencers that you work with where what's in it for them may be simply being part of an affiliate type program where uh, you know they have the you know typical unique link and they'll make some kind of commissions on sales if um you know if their influence is generating that kind of um business for you yeah amy so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you try to make this interactive right i'm gonna ask you i, I put the slide up at social media marketing world just before the, the pandemic hit uh on influencer marketing obviously and i asked the audience i said i put on a, a screen i put affiliate marketing a b i put blogger outreach and c i put employee advocacy and then d i said all the above i said okay which which of these is influencer marketing right Mm. And how would you how would you answer that, Amy? I don't want to test you or anything, but I'm just curious as to how you. Well, I suppose I would an I would answer that that I imagine that influence marketing can be leveraged, or all three can leverage influence marketing because affiliate marketing, um, you can your influences can be compensated through affiliate income and leveraging their influence. Employee advocacy. 
there must be if you've got um, if you've got is it employee advocacy you said so get yes. yeah so so in that case compensating employees to use their influence <laughs> to grow your business and then you said blogger outreach which again um i suppose uh, it's not is it answering the question but i it, it kind of overlaps with blogger outreach doesn't it because you outreach to influential bloggers and then use their influence through that kind of um that kind of scenario is that is that the right answer or the wrong answer <laughs> yes no that's the right answer and i say that now, now in your answer you focused on the compensation i focus mm. on the fact that whether they're employees whether they're bloggers or affiliate marketers have networks, they have digital networks, you are tapping into other people's digital presence, digital influence, regardless mm -hmm. of social network, right? So whether you compensate them or not is another story. Now, affiliate marketing is a compensation model, but it is clearly influencer marketing because you, mm -hmm. you bring on affiliates because they have digital influence, right? So yeah. you know, influencer marketing is a modern term, but blogger outreach was influencer marketing before Instagram and affiliate yeah. marketing was even before that. They're all part of the same umbrella. And the employee advocacy is a really, really interesting piece because a lot of these programs, and you probably know, we've been talking about employee advocacy for five years or so, or maybe six or seven. And a lot of companies thought that a lot of employees would share all their content, which rarely happens. But when we treat employees as influencers, right, mm -hmm. we begin to treat them a little bit differently and in fact when we tap into employees for content when we're talking about maximizing content and content 10x right there's a mm. huge way to maximize content by insourcing the contributions from your own employees especially in b2b where you know when i was in sales nobody wanted to see me at my clients but if i was to bring our lead engineer everybody wanted to come see our lead engineer right so mm. it's translating that sort of offline you know influence and ip in the online world through webinars, through blog interviews and, and what have you. So yes, affiliate marketing is influence marketing that the compensation is pretty clear, uh, but it, it is a form you are tapping in other people. And, and Amy, one thing we didn't talk about is, you know, we're all struggling with content and obviously we're all listening to this, to this podcast because we want to get the maximum out of all the investment we make in content. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, when it comes to search engines and blog, it's one thing. When it comes to email, it's another thing, but social media, the algorithms favor people over businesses, right? For businesses, it, it is pay to play. And this is the way that I treat it with all my clients. But when we work with other people in social media, that's where we bypass the algorithms because we're leveraging people power. And that's how we can get more exposure for our content, right? And when yeah. we co-create content together with these influencers, then it becomes a natural that we're going to be seeing more and more in the feed. So that's really you know, my, my solution to uh, a pay to play social media is to collaborate with more people in social media and more people that are creating content and publishing. And that way you get, but not everybody wants to share your content. That's where you, you almost have to collaborate to get people to share your content until they're a true brand advocate, right? If you create such a great relationship, they'll share anything that you create. And, and that may happen, right? When you, mm -hmm. when you clearly convert them to fans that when that's when this concept becomes really powerful and when businesses can rule organic social media again uh, but it's going to take some time to create those relationships and build up that infrastructure and when we think of content creation of thinking you know how can we include these influencers as part of our content creation process would you say that there's a slightly different um there's a slight difference between influencer and brand advocate that is that when you further down the spectrum of your um your love for the brand so to speak 
Yeah. So in my book, I, you know, I take a look at the traditional way of looking at influencers, which is Instagram centric, which was created by this influencer marketing industry, which says, you know, by number of followers, we have different tiers of influencers, right? And a few years ago, they were saying, no, we can work with smaller influencers. We call them micro influencers. And micro influencers have, you know, a minimum of 10,000 followers, let's say. And then we get even further down over the last year or two, where in the industry, which is very Instagram centric, they talk about nano influencers, people that have between one to 10,000 influencers. So if someone that has 1,000 followers, I should say, on any given social network might be considered a nano influencer, you know, in my book, I say, let's not take a look at number of followers. Let's use 1,000 followers as a threshold, for instance. Let's take a look at all the people that like, know, and trust our company, right? Who likes, knows, and trusts our company and might have over 1,000 followers? Let's first look at our employees. Let's look at our partners, resellers, distributors, system integrators, whoever they might be. Then let's look at our customers. And then let's look at our fans, people who follow us on social media. It may not be a customer yet. And let's look at if we have social listening tools. Let's look at people that have mentioned us. And from there, let's take a look at the people that have a minimum of 1,000 followers on any given network. And, and from there, you begin to build a picture. So there's one way of, of doing those Google searches and social searches and looking for people talking about you. The other way is, who is already our fan out there? Who's already somewhat of an advocate for us? These people are obviously going to be much, much easier to work with because they already like, know, and trust you. And the thought of you know, having to pay them money, they're already paying you money. So um, the thought of having them pay money to do something, uh, there's less and less of a need to do that. And they want to do it. They're already a fan. So yes, at the end of the day, if you were to work with someone that does not like, know, or trust your brand, you would want to convert them into becoming a brand advocate where they talk about you without having to be part of some campaign or what have you. Mm. But I believe that, and I see more and more brands doing this, they're calling them brand ambassador programs, right? Of you know people that fall into these categories of having some sort of brand affinity, um, and and leveraging them as influencers, and and that you know I believe is actually an easier way to start, especially when we consider the content piece. On, on Instagram, it's the easiest. If you're a B two C company, there are tons of brands that do not publish their own content on Instagram. It's 100% what we call UGC, user-generated content. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that those brands should be doing more IGC or influencer-generated content, right? But mm -hmm. for most companies listening to this podcast, they may not have that sort of word of mouth to be able to do that. And that's where you need to leverage influencers to incite word of mouth. And that's why when you begin with people that already know, like, and trust you, that's where you can get that started. And you might think, well, you know, publishing employee content, that's sort of weird. And um, I showed uh, on a recent webinar I did, a, I was on the Maersk uh, shipping line. And Maersk is very famous for leveraging user-generated content on their Instagram. So I just pick up a photo, I look at it. It's, it's a, a guy who shot a video on, you know, on board the container ship, and he works at Maersk. He's a sailor, and he says on his Instagram bio, he works at Maersk. He has like 3,500 followers. And his link goes to his YouTube channel where he has like a thousand subscribers. And this is a great example of an employee advocate, right? Of a true employee influencer. Why wouldn't I republish their content? So exactly. in a visual world, it becomes really, really easy to understand. But I'd say that we can apply the same approach to the non-visual world as well, should you give them those opportunities. Yeah, no, I, yeah, Maersk is a, that's a great example because it you know, just goes to show across 
you know any kind of uh, industry as well doesn't it um that it that it's possible um what what i'd be really keen to know is um so if there's anyone listening to this with a you know a fairly small you know business maybe anything from um you know a small team to maybe up to say like 10 20 people so fairly small business um who maybe is considering or using facebook ads you know paid ads facebook ads or pay-per-click like something like that and this is opening up a whole new kind of idea and line of thought of okay <laughs> actually this sounds like something that could be maybe more beneficial to me than instagram ads or facebook ads have you got any examples of a smallish business like that small kind of b2b type business that um maybe was doing paid social and put the budget towards or time and attention towards influence marketing said and, and saw you know a much more beneficial return on investment of the time or money whichever it is well what what we're finding and it may be different with the listeners here but companies are paying a lot like a google pay-per-click ad they're paying a lot for lead acquisition yeah. So what I tell any company, I don't think there's any universal rule here, but it has to be data driven for your organization. So take the money you spend on paid social and invest some of it into working with influencers and compare the result. I think when I, that B2B SaaS startup is a great example, um, you know, just reaching out, building influence on Twitter, reaching out to a few more influential, uh, you know, people and entities in the industry and then leveraging that in the format of a webinar and then leveraging those leads uh the roi of that was was exponential because there was they didn't pay money i mean there was a little bit of advertising to promote the webinar but you know when you compare the price of getting like 50 leads on google versus acquiring them organically with a webinar it there's just no comparison and then amy when we look at the content creation piece Yes, even if you leverage influencers for content, there's still time and planning and stuff that goes on. But if you consider the, the money you might spend for content creation, not repurposing, but just for the original content creation, and then if we can leverage influencers for that, there is a direct comparison that says, wow, we, we might be able to save money here. And that's where you begin to really compare apples and apples, right? Um, and that would be you know, what I would say every company listening that wants to really tap into this. It, it's almost, Amy... You know, the conversation we had 10 years ago when social media marketing was just starting. And I've been in, I started my consultancy in January 2010. And back then, companies were like, why should I invest so money in social media, right? Or where am I going to get the budget? Um, and there was a lot of people that had to do, a lot of people like me had to do a lot of convincing to even big companies that they should be investing in social media. I see the exact same analogy with influencer marketing, right? But here, when we compare, if we're really good at tracking our expenses and, and how our, our content is performing, and by the way, Amy, we can leverage influencer content for our ads, right? Yeah. Or on mm -hmm. our website or on our shopping cart page. And we're finding that this actually performs way better, way better than if we were going to create that advertisement ourselves, especially with visual ads. Mm -hmm. So when you look at it that way, there's, there's tremendous ROI when you do it right. And it really begins with obviously the right objective, working with the right people and, and you know, doing the right measurement. So I would challenge anybody listening, hopefully through that explanation, they're able to find an analogy. I don't, you know, I don't have all the case studies that I'd like to be able to present to you, uh, especially because most of the case studies out there are really B2C. Um, but the B2B ones, you know, inviting influencers to events and you know, um, 
these are obviously bigger companies like Adobe Summit, where the, the value of influencer mentions of the event was in the millions of dollars when we, when we look at it from a CPM perspective. And they only paid influencers or travel fees to get to the event. I mean, when we look at studies like this, we see that it's just, you know, it, we're, we're, we can compare apples and apples, but the impact is very different. And we need, also need to remember the content is coming from a person or someone else is talking about you instead of you talking about yourself. So inherently, there's just a lot more trust when other people, I mean, the Edelman trust barometer, what have you, when other people talk about you, than when you talk about yourself, even if you're an authority. So these are other sort of intangibles that you get when you, when you're able to incite that word of mouth working with influencers. People aren't robots, you know, people are more and more and more, we are looking um, for uh, trust, word of mouth, that kind of thing. So um, it's worth so much, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Amy, you want to repurpose case studies into yeah. a lead magnet. And maybe some case studies you already have to repurpose. Maybe you want to add some new ones. And I mean, think if you reach out to influencers saying, do you, you, know, do you, do you have case studies of, of the ROI repurposing content? And if you were to include those in your ebook, they would probably obviously share that. And then obviously you get more credibility because you're also featuring the content of these influencers. That's a very yeah. easy way of thinking about it. But yes, once, once you get beyond that sort of fry festival and all these misconceptions that, you know, the blogosphere and the media have about influence and marketing, you realize that the holistic meaning of, of digital influence and the different ways in which you can use that as part of your content creation, then I believe you can really maximize your content. When, once you shift that mindset, it opens up all sorts of ideas. And probably even after this podcast is over, you're going to think of new ideas. And mm. it, it, you know, it, it, inevitably it happens. But I'm hoping that people listening really uh, you know, get that influencer marketing is more than just Instagram. It's more than just a one-time transaction. It's this broad area of tapping into other people's audiences to increase your digital influence. Yeah, I think absolutely. And um, if you're inspired by this conversation and yeah, I guess wanting to, to learn more about all of this, then absolutely get a copy of your book, Neil, and, and, um, and to, you know, to really kind of learn so much more about it. So I'll make sure that I put links to that in the show notes so that people can, can see. So it's been really great chatting to you, Neil. As I said, we could, we could carry on, couldn't we? But, <laughs> um, but of course, like I said, I will, I will make sure to link to your awesome book, but also if you want people to reach out to you, like, you know what they thought of this episode and connect with you um where's the best place sure so i am neil schaefer that's the real neil so n-e-a-l and there's a few of us schaefers out there i don't know why but in social uh, media but i my last name is spelled s-c-h-a-f-f-e-r and i'm neil schaefer everywhere on social media my website's neilschaefer.com uh, the name of the book is The Age of Influence, which you can find everywhere. And I also have a podcast called Maximize Your Social Influence. If you do a search on uh, your favorite podcast player, you'll find that. And Amy oh. Waft, I'll be on uh, my show as well. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. I'll put links to everything. Um, I love the fact that you've got your name and URL and everything first in because being in this space for as long as you have, it's great to hear that you were straight in on all the platforms, getting your, your yeah. name on all of them. <laughs> um, so that makes it easy for everyone to find you. Um, so yeah, thank you so, so much for um, coming on to the show. I'd love people to you know, reach out and let us know what they thought of the conversation. So please do tweet about this and, and uh, share content about this so we can hear what you thought. And I'd love to hear people's experiences if you um, have never 
gone down the route of influencer type marketing and you decide to give it a try so please do reach out let me and neil know how you get on so yeah thank you so much neil it's been a really great conversation thank you amy it's, it's really been an honor to be here and i look forward to your uh, future episodes as well thank you Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast episode. I hope you found it really, really useful. Now, if you would like help with your content repurposing, then don't hesitate to get in touch with us here at Content 10X because we offer a fully end-to-end content repurposing service. Just head to content10x.com. That's content10x.com. And if you prefer a DIY approach and you'd like to learn more about content repurposing in your own time, then why not get a copy of my book, Content 10X, more content, less time maximum results it really is the ultimate guide to repurposing every type of content and it's available in paperback kindle format and in audiobook as well you can get it on amazon or just head to content10x.com forward slash book to find out all the places that you can get hold of my book so all that's left to say is thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast episode and i will catch you in the next one